Hey, everybody. Chris back again with the Wildlife Command Center podcast. Thanks for jumping on. I really appreciate you guys. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and give us a killer five-star review. It really does help out. So what I'm going to do is start kind of a new weekly segment. I'm going to call it Falconry Friday. And so for the first one, we've got my good buddy over in the Northeast, Casey Everett, NJ underscore Falconry on all social media platforms. He posts killer videos of his goshawks flying ducks and squirrels and rabbits. And he's got a super cute little dachshund and his kid's super cute too. (laughs) So I'm jumping on with him. Him and I have been friends for a while. And so we're going to BS about falconry and a bunch of other stuff and have a good time. Thanks for jumping on with us. Let's jump into the episode. So what's going on, everybody? I've got Casey Everett here with me. He's one of my buddies who lives, I was going to say New Jersey, but he actually just moved to New York. So on Instagram, he's NJ Falconer, but he's no longer that. Now he's an NY Falconer, or you should be. Yeah, I think I still identify as a New Jersey Falconer. (laughs) I'm not overly, no disrespect, but I'm not overly impressed with the uh, New York crowd so far. No? No, there's there's some good guys. There's some good guys up here. You moved there to get away from the New Jersey crowds, right? To kind of get out, at least of your of your neighborhood where you lived. Maybe it was too suburban for you? Yeah, it was definitely suburban. Definitely getting the cops called on me for flying my birds. <laughs> Classic. You know, a lot of obstacles of houses, buildings. But, you know, it did have its perks as well because the game is more like in pockets, mm-hmm. like concentrated. concentrated yep. Yeah, exactly. So out here, it's more spread out. So we kind of have to... I kind of have to work a section of brush for a little bit longer to get a flush yeah. rather than down by me. I know if I hit this spot, there's going to be a couple flushes within this little area that I can push out. But it definitely comes with its challenges for sure. I've been there. You know, I started kind of cut your teeth thinking, I have to go out to the middle of nowhere and fly my bird. And then you start to realize, no, like on the fringes of civilization, that's where all the game is. Exactly. A hundred percent. It's so weird. And then you start hawking cemeteries and freaking state parks, and it's like, wow, there's a lot of squirrels here. Exactly, dude. And it was so funny that you said that because I went to the New York State Falconry meet, and we had a great time, a lot of people, and we went with a, a nice kid. I forgot his name, but he was just, he knew the area. And he's thinking, he's not a falconer. He was just like, he knew the area, he gun hunts a lot. There's a lot of grouse hunting and stuff like that. So he's taking us to these like wildlife management areas that are like, 10,000 acres, you know, and just mm. we're walking through just like vast wilderness with my goss on my fist. And I'm just like, there's nothing That's there. Like, yeah. There's just nothing there. So then when we, st- you know, they wanted to stop for lunch and I don't stop for lunch at Falconry Meats. So suck it up. You eat after the sun's down. Exactly. I ditched them and uh, I went, I went behind like <laughs> some, some like Home Depot and caught a squirrel. A subway. Yeah. <laughs> caught a squirrel <laughs> in like five minutes and it was over. You oh know? man. That's hilarious. Yeah. Behind a Home Depot. So you have been a falconer for a pretty long time, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, relatively, not compared to a lot of these guys. And I think you're, mm-hmm. you probably got some years on me, but yeah, roughly, so it was 2006. So whatever that is, like 15, 16 years, 17 years, something yeah. like that, you know? Well, what I mean is, you know, you're not an old guy. So of course, you know, a 60-year-old falconer's got years on you in the sport. But what I mean is you're a young guy and you've been doing it for a long time. Like most people get into this as an adult. Yeah, because there's a lot of barriers to entry. And especially back when I was getting into it and when you were getting into it, mm-hmm. it was you were only involved in it if you were obsessed with it. And yeah. it was the only thing on your mind. It was so challenging. I mean, I didn't even have... First of all, in my household, we didn't even have freaking internet, basically. My mom got it like wow. for her job, we had to get it. We didn't even have cable. We weren't allowed to watch TV. We watched movies. So... Good luck trying to look up, you know, falconers in your area. This is back in 2006. There was no like hardcore hawkers forum. There was none of that. There was nothing. So I had to like manually call the state. Well, my mom helped me. Thank God for her because she knew mm-hmm. how obsessed I was with like wildlife. And then when I found out about this, forget about it. I couldn't sleep. Just of course walking around my house practicing falconry, thinking, thinking practicing thinking about exactly it. Exactly. Dreaming about it. Oh, dude, I thought it was fake, man. I thought it was like. I thought it was some Narnia stuff, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no way this is real. So we called the state. We were we got an invite from who was my sponsor. He took us out on our first hunt. 
didn't say one word to me, <laughs> you know? Really? Oh, dude, it was like... It was just like he was totally quiet and you guys just hawked? He just looked at me he's like, hey, how are you? Hey, okay, all right, we're, we're going this way. And then he just start walking in the woods. And my mom, my mom's like <laughs> tripping and falling. And I'm like, I'm like, trying to keep, I'm like trying to keep up with them. And they were just basically looking back on it. They were doing kind of the right thing. They were like, I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm not going to baby you through this. If this is something you want to do, look at what's going on and catch on. And then I remember, I remember the first thing he cracked a smile halfway through the hunt because I saw them going into the Phragmites and the dogs in the Phragmites. And I just... What's that? Hold on. What is that? It sounds like a local chain restaurant. No, no, it's like you guys, a, yo, you guys want to go hit up the Fragmites? Yeah. Well, yeah, I can see that. A nice Italian Let's restaurant. Go get a six inch over at Fragmites. I get down, couple of sausages. No, exactly it's, uh, the Fragmites joint. No, it's uh, basically long, long grass, and in some areas, it's like twelve feet high. You know, holy smokes, oh, dude! It's like just it's basically walking through. I would say a cornfield, but it's tighter than that. They're not, they're touching wow. each other. So, but they're super brittle. So you can take your arms and like push and break them. Oh, okay. But their rabbits love them because the birds can't get through the top and the coyotes can't run through it. So it's perfect. So I just like went in there and I've never mm -hmm. beaten brush in my life. So I just like, I just go in there. I just saw what everyone was doing, plowing through there. And I went all the way through and popped out the other side. And then I saw Phil, he looked at his brother, Paul, and they looked and they just kind of like gave each other a little, like a little, like, you know, you could tell they, and they're like, all He's right. He's got potential. Yeah. They're like, all right, all right. And then he was like, oh, so what made you get into this? I said, listen, I, uh, my mom read it in an article and they kind of rolled their eyes and looked at each other or whatever. Because back in those days, there's still guys like that nowadays. And I am still like that to a degree, meaning protect the sport. It's a secret. Don't tell everybody about it. Keep it to yourself. Don't advertise it. And that's the way they are. They were, they're getting a little bit better now, but they, mm -hmm. they're very much like that where they think social media is not really the best idea a lot of times. And if you are going to post on social media, keep it private so nobody but your close friends can see it. Huh. I mean, dude, we could get into a, I mean, we could, you could do a whole podcast segment, multiple episodes, just discussing that topic between old school Falconers, new school Falconers, the pros, mm -hmm. the cons. So, you know, that's how I got started. I cleaned Phil's mew, mowed his lawn, Wash his car. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. I've, I've had apprentices. I've literally never asked them to do like a freaking thing for me. Like not even like, I need to start exploiting them more. Well, listen, man, it's an apprenticeship. <laughs> oh, that's true, dude. It is. I kind of forget that. Dude, I'm a master plumber, right? Been doing plumbing for 15, 16 years, almost as long as I've been a Falconer. Had my own business. Dude, when I started out, bro, they were sending to the truck in the rain to get a bucket of steam. You know, and I'm like, oh, a yeah, bucket classic, of steam. I'm, yeah, and I'm running out there looking. Yeah. They're throwing fittings out of the top floor of the building, telling me, go find the fittings and put them back in the truck. You know, you're the B word, mm -hmm. for lack of I've a better term. There. Yeah. So that's kind of the way it was for me as a falconer also. But they, you know, I was literally helping out around his house, doing the stuff. He was my math tutor also. My mom convinced him to <laughs> tutor me in math. That's and um, dude, he wasn't even going to sponsor me, bro. <laughs> he wasn't even going really? to. Yeah. And it was like, I passed my test, I built my muse and I needed him to sign the paper and he just like kept avoiding it. It was like the funniest thing, you know, but he didn't want what it is with, with them. And this is part of the reason why I've never had an apprentice is because I just see how critical they were of me and my performance and my behavior and the way I conducted myself and stuff like that, where now I'm like, and first of all, I don't even think I'm worthy enough to have an apprentice because I, I feel like I'm still learning myself, especially flying Accipiters. There's so much nuance, so much stuff to learn, so many challenges. It's like, yeah, I could teach somebody how to fly a red tail. That's like, you know. That's what's important. You have plenty of experience with red tails. You can absolutely at least teach someone how to be really kick ass with red tails. That's where everybody starts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could. But I just feel like I want to be like super well rounded. It's like, dude, me and you, we love UFC, we love watching fighting. It's mm -hmm. just like fighting, dude. There's so many aspects of fighting. There's ground game, there's stand-up. To say that you're a master of them all is basically impossible unless you're... But yeah, basically you know, impossible. Unless you're George St. Pierre. But like, unless, you're, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're GSP, right? Yeah, or John Jones. So, you know what I mean? There's so mm -hmm. many levels. So I kind of just feel like I want to become as good as I can as a falconer 
all my technique is crisp, all my trade-offs are crisp, my field control, my field craft, learning about my game, my stalking in on ducks and like whatever the case may be. I want it all to be perfect before I'd be like, okay, I'm going to teach you now. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I get where you're coming from. Like yeah. I'm kind of like my Merlin mentor told me was to not give people advice on Merlins, which makes sense. You know, I've only flown a couple, but like I could at least, because this was brought up because Falconer, you and I both know Lindsay mm-hmm. was thinking about flying a Merlin because she's flown a couple of Cooper's Hawks now in Kai and she's got a lot of quail where she lives, but like nothing's connecting. Like she's having really poor seasons. You know, she'll tell you this, man. She's just not having stellar seasons on quail where in other scenarios and other environments, she sees people doing that. So she's trying to find another aspect of what could work. And so she's been out to Alyssa's a few times, seen how she's done it and thinks that possibly that might be the ticket, you know? Yeah. I'm not quite so certain based on the picture she showed me. I'm not sure, but she's done three male Cooper's Hawks and a Goss Hawk and I think a female Coop. Why not try a Merlin? Yeah. I've flown a couple Merlins, but I don't know anywhere near a lot of these other guys. But I just feel like I would have a better chance of catching a quail with an accipiter than a than a Merlin. That seems like more difficult to me. Because from what I see and what I hear, like from you know, guys like Tyler and stuff, those the quail they get up, they fly, and then they want to put back in and tuck away. And it's like you could have your Merlin waiting on, yeah, but then by the time that thing comes out of the stoop, builds up enough momentum, they're gonna put back in. I mean, I don't hawk quail. Yeah. I have no experience, so I don't know. But that sounds like a di- very difficult quarry to chase after. So if she could pull it off with the Merlin, that'd be awesome. It wouldn't be done waiting on. It would be from perches, you know? Like uh, you said, how you flew yours, she would fly it like that. And just for the audience knows, the way I flew was nothing spectacular. It was actually pretty lame. I'd basically get the bird... Hey, you were still flying a Merlin. That's kick-ass. Yeah, dude. They're awesome. So I would get it in a tree. It would put the sparrows in to like a bush or a a small Mm -hmm. pine tree or something like that. And then she would land in the tree or circle around a little bit. So I'd either time it as she's circling around, which is classic, but that almost never happened. She would land in a tree and like stare at it. So what Mm -hmm. I would do is, is I would flip my lure. So she would be like, oh, lure. So she'd start pumping towards me full speed. And at the last minute... I would jack the bush and the sparrows would flush out of the bush and she would just smoke one like right as it left the bush. Didn't even see mm. it coming. So mm, we had mm, some we had mm. some good success. That's the good stuff. And my goal this past season was to get that done with the GoPro and like get it in slow motion, but it like I didn't have the time, dude. It was that was a good little Merlin, but I didn't have the time. Bro, you can't you can't do a wife, a kid, and two birds. Nope. Especially one's a Merlin and one's a goshawk. There's no way. No, dude, yeah, you really can't where you'd have to switch. Even two goshawks, that's a lot. Like, but yeah. if you got one out, caught a squirrel, put her back, got the other one out, even that, that's a lot. It's too much. You know? it, you'd have to stagger. You'd have to catch a squirrel, crop her up, put her away the next day, bring the next bird to work with you, fly her after work, catch a squirrel, uh, put her yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the only way to do it. But then my wife's going to be pissed. So, <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. You Humans are more things. important than birds. I, I did used to think that way. You and I have talked about that for a long time. But I feel like... Uh, the human relationships are more important than a freaking bird. Yeah. Take it from the single guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm holding on to this one. We're doing okay. We're doing good. Are you? The, yeah. the hand-me-down? No, I met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. That was yeah, good. That was yeah, good. Yeah. I'm basically, you know, how normally a lot of people, they like to take it slow with their red tail and they like to, you know, take the hood off in a dark place. With my wife, I'm basically just waking her where it's just flying my birds nonstop and she's either going to get used to it or she's just going to have aspergillosis and die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, she likes it and my son loves it. And where we moved, we have a neighbor with horses and pigs and we have chickens and obviously my birds. So we live in a fun area and it's becoming like, you know, my wife is getting more into like the gardening and now she's got her plants. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're getting... Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so I'm trying to get her more involved in that, and then maybe what, dude? Who knows, dude? Maybe ten years down the road, she'll be have she'll have her own little bird, and she'll come out and we'll fly. Interesting. I mean, five years ago, I would have never thought I would be. No, not five years ago. Ten years ago, I'd have never thought I'd be flying Merlins. Five years ago, I was already flying long wings. So yeah, I could have seen myself. You flying can see that they're so fun. They're really so fun. They're such amazing birds to fly, and they're incredible. They all have their own personality, and you know, the falcons in general are just civilized. They eat calmly for the most part. They fly. They're intelligent. You know, I'm basically flying a Velociraptor with 
friggin' wings. You know what I mean? A it's demon. Just a demon. A demon encapsulated in a bird's body. And people are like, oh, you're, are you friends with your bird? I'm like, if my bird thought she could kill me and eat me, she would probably try to kill me and eat me. That's so <laughs> funny. The differences between birds, because uh, so like Megan's white goss is just like a gem. She's yeah. so friendly. It's bananas, the differences. That's a sister to my last bird, I believe. Really? Wow. But she flies it. She flies that bird a little bit on the higher side than what I was flying. She does, at. yeah. So she does. She definitely does. So she doesn't kill all the time, but the manners are definitely better. Yeah. You know, not as much screaming. So there's that balance. Many ways to skin a cat, man. That's the thing. Yep. That's my biggest thing I tell people because you can raise a goshawk in so many different ways. And mm-hmm. to read one book and say, this is the only way you can do it. It's just nonsense because there's a million ways you can do it. There really is. I did the McDermott method. Guy's super smart. I did baggies every day. I did, you know, I brought the thing to work with me. I brought it in my truck. It's at the park, this, that, and the other thing. And the bird was okay. It was a tearsole also. So that makes it a little bit slightly more difficult. Sometimes they're a little bit more skittish. And then the female, I basically did nothing with her other than just feed her, you know, frozen food at night in the mew no contact really at all. She would wake up in the morning, the automatic lights would turn on and there'd be you know, a defrosted pile of quail there that she would scarf down. And then mm-hmm. basically when she started hard penning, meaning she starts getting her flight muscles, starts exercising, starts jumping around, then I would kind of carry her around to her feeding locations and let her hop off and jump down and start eating. And they turned out extremely similar. You know, hmm. I'm convinced, and a lot of other falconers that I talk to that fly goshawks a lot, that do a lot of imprint goshawks, I would say, they swear that the hard penning and the entering, meaning the starting of the hunting process, is the most important for getting them used to stimulus. Yes. Because that's when they would have to get used to stimulus in the wild. They're leaving the nest. Yeah, nothing's happening in the nest, yeah. Exactly. Cars are not driving. I mean, depending on where the nest location is, they'll probably have a, a better tolerance to certain things. But when they leave the nest, they leave the nest, then you know, a hiker walks by, then they freak out and fly away, then they see another hiker, then they you know, they get used and they, okay, now they fly out of the mountain, they catch oh, a chicken. What he's describing right now is a goshawk that grows up in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All the hikers. Exactly. So that, you know what I mean? So it's like they're kind of getting used to the, just a theory. It's not set in stone. I'm open to any ideas. And even this year, I'm going to do another goshawk and I'm thinking of doing the whole... What? Yeah, I'm thinking oh, of doing... Oh, that's right. Are you going to fly too? Are you going to get rid of this... this- Hand me down. This hand me down, I might keep like as an investment, maybe for the future. Maybe put her in a chamber. Yeah, maybe she'll start presenting for me. I mean, she's a pure albatus, so you know, they don't grow on trees. So, but I might do the hand feeding method, which I don't really know much about. But there are guys out there. If you're a falconer and you've read McDermott's book or heard anything about raising an imprint, it's no food association. You don't want the bird to see you with the food. You don't want any association between you and the food. This method is the opposite. You're literally feeding the bird tidbits with your fingers from day one. Mm. And I mean, I think harrisarks are cool. For whatever reason, I'm on the goshawk drug right now because it is a drug. Well, that's, that's what's best for you. You live in a super thick area and it's crazy cold for a lot of your season. You know, harrisock isn't what's best for you, you know. Yeah, what's best for me is probably a red tail to keep my wife happy, something simple and easy. But once you fly a goshawk and... Even a harrisaw compared to a red tail is night and day. But flying a goshawk... Oh, night and day, dude. But me and you can maybe get into a friendly debate. <laughs> but, but, but a goshawk compared to a harrisaw, I would not say it's night and day, but it is a very big difference in explosive muscle. And the mm-hmm. way that they fly is definitely... Reaction time, probably. Reaction too. time and the way that they can power through whatever it is to catch. If they know that they can catch something and they turn it on, the way that that wing beat and the power that they can project is something to really watch. And I mean, that's kind of, you know, catching a squirrel out of a tree, that's fun. But for me, flushing a duck and that duck is out of position and it gets a head start on my bird. And then I realize, you know, because you know what I'm talking about. When your bird leaves mm-hmm. the fist or when she leaves the tree, it takes like probably <laughs> 0.6 of a second for you to realize, oh, this is going to be a good flight and she's not going to stop until she catches it. And when they turn it on and it's just like, pop, 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 pop. And then they just see it off in the distance. She just binds to it and then crashes to the ground. It's just yeah, freaking best feeling in the world. So ducks are your favorite? You like ducks the most? I don't I do it because listen, for me growing up, you know, squirrels were a dime a dozen. I must have caught hundreds of squirrels between my red tails, 
over the years. You know what I mean? Like I caught so many squirrels. So it's just like, all right, it's catching the squirrels. It's like my bread and butter. It's the easiest thing for me to get out in the woods, pull some vines, get some squirrels moving, get some catches. Ducks is just, it's so much more finesse. Like rabbits also, rabbits are so much fun. But I went from, like I said, running dogs to not running dogs to now I have a puppy again that I'm raising. So now I'm going to mm-hmm. get more into the rabbit hawking. But back, you know, when I was young, I used to catch rabbits all the time. And I would just watch my dogs work. And my red tail would just follow my dogs around. And I would just kind of... Yeah. You're literally just watching a show. And you could bring friends and they would stand back and just watch the show. And it was so much fun. But when you... you know, For the last, I would say, whatever, four years, five years, I didn't run any dogs. So the more exciting falconry that I found for me was finding ducks, locating them, and then trying to sneak in on them without them flushing before I got there or the bird baiting or the bird screaming or I step on a stick and they're spooky mm. and they so it's like you're literally like if you're into big game hunting and stuff like that and like it's kind of like the closest thing to big game hunting because you're actually like you have your weapon quote unquote I have my bird and I'm sneaking in stalking it and you yeah. gotta get close enough to make that flush because if you're out of position you'll never make the quote unquote shot you know, your bird will never catch it because they'll they'll just get out ahead of your bird and outfly it or they'll put back in and it'll be a rat hunt which as you see my videos I don't mind a rat hunt you know yeah why not yeah I don't mind a rat hunt I get what you mean there's the quarry that I hunt out here there's a couple that like are easier to come by and then there's a few that are harder to come by and harder to catch and so of course I want to target those you know so you and I have talked off air before you're planning on getting a North American, right? Well, this see, that's, I was going back and forth, and I ended up going with Moglich, uh, Mark and Ryan mm-hmm. Moglich, and they're super nice guys, just the nicest people in the world to talk to on the phone, talk goshawks, talk training. And the hand-me-down bird is actually from them, but not directly from them. Somebody else flew it. So I called them, and I talked to them a little bit. And dude, at the end of the day, it came down to my budget, man, because I got some... You know, I got, Budgets I know, are important. You don't need to be sending six G's on a bird or something. That's a question, bro. <laughs> you know? First of all, I'll get divorced. And second of all, <laughs> that thing's going to either hit a fence, hit a window, hit a car, land on a power line. Goshawks live hard and die hard, basically. They just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So hawking out in the middle of nowhere, even in the middle of nowhere, though, there's fences and there's barbed wire and there's eagles and red tails. And, you know, so it's just a, it's a very risky thing flying any bird. So my thing is, it's like, I wanted a bird from a reputable breeder. I wanted a specific bird. I really love North American goshawks, but if I'm going to pay $2,800 for a North American and I'm going to pay $3,000 for a white goshawk that's 300 grams heavier, it's like, all right, I'll spend the 300 bucks or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Whatever he quoted yeah. me. Because he's going to give me a couple different options because he's like, listen. Yeah, but once birds start hatching out, you know. That's what he said. He said, just send me a deposit. And he said, once birds start hatching out, we can talk about what it is that exactly what you want. But if you just get on my list, just send me a deposit and we're good to go. So I was like, all right, done. So, but I think I might end up flying a Russian Albatus cross. All this fancy shit. I mean, I can't even speak. My grandpa's a breeder and I love all those hybrids. So, but it's just goshawks, you know? I know. Just so uncivilized. But when everything works out and everything's going smooth, it's the best bird you could fly for what I do, at least for my kind of hawking, because I can catch ducks, squirrels, geese, rabbits, chipmunks. You can't catch geese. Those videos are bananas. Yeah. So to kind of reiterate, you are on Instagram at NJ underscore, right? Falconry. Falconry. Got yeah. you. And so on the on there or his TikTok, he's got a bunch of awesome videos of him hunting. Uh, the best part about goshawks is, you know, especially with the beginning, it's all right there. So you get to see all of it and it's great for video. I can't wait for long wings for there to be like better miniature camera technology. There's some coming out, dude. You saw that yes. that jeer falcon on those uh, Egyptian geese in the UK. Gosh, it was amazing. Wow. Incredible. Amazing video. Oh, man. Tell you what, dude, I'm going to get one of those and here in a few more years. So I'm going to get that stuff down or hood cameras are going to be well enough that, oh man, it's going to be so wheat. You can make them also. I heard you just, you basically, it's just a hood that you cut the eyes out of. Even go on Amazon and you can look and it's like, it's called like a spy camera and it's like a little tiny camera and basically you just take it apart and mount Mm -hmm. it to the actual hood. The hood. 
and then just like mount the battery pack. Dude, I bet they got those bitches in 4K now, dude. Yeah, dude, seriously. <laughs> I mean, dude, you can friggin' do anything nowadays. But I thought about doing that also. But dude, at that point- You it's should. Like, yeah, I know. But dude, like at that point, it's like, all right, what am I doing here? Am I a falconer or am I like some kind of like a- you know, videographer, like trying to make, oh, you know what yeah, I mean? That's it's a just good like, point. That's a lot of editing. Too. How much stuff do I have? To, how much, you know what I mean? I got the GoPro, oh. then I got the 360 cam. The 360 cam is kind of whack to be honest, because you can't really, like you said, if it goes any further than like 50 yards, like you ain't seeing anything. You can't see any of it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. The GoPro is a lot better. You can zoom in a little bit, but dude, that thing is freaking unreliable, dude. How many times have I, dude, I permanently retired my GoPro eight last year. Oh, bro, it was the last straw for me, bro. Did you miss out on an amazing? Yes, dude. The freaking squirrel. Dude, the squirrel runs up the limb. She's right behind it, like 50 feet in a tree at the top of this tree. It's running up the limb. She's chasing it and it just runs and just bails out. And she just comes out behind it and just catches it right in the sunlight and just helicopters to the ground and lands on the ground. Dude, the camera malfunctioned and didn't record it. And that was like the fifth time I missed a flight. And I was like, you know what? Screw this thing. Never to be, oh, seen, man. Never to be seen again. <laughs> what a bummer. So what's your yeah. plans for this year? Because people love that. Yeah, well, I got a GoPro 9. And I was even thinking for you long wing guys, man, the best thing that you could do, like if you're in the open country, Hawking. Is hire another guy to film it. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally hire another guy to film it. Yeah. Or you walk around with like, you know, like those Jim Shockey, like, those sticks that he uses, like they're like a walking stick, but then it has like a V in it at the top where he can rest his gun. Yeah. Have one of those with like the camera mounted to it. So you could literally just be walking with it in your hand. And then when action pops off, you could literally just set the thing down on the ground because it's like a walking stick and then just Mm -hmm. push record. And now you're totally stable and you can zoom all the way in and it's not like bouncing all over the place. That's not too bad. So we are like heading into a new season of filming everything that we do. And I'm going to have a videographer. So that's definitely going to be his job. Lucky. I'm going to focus on the... Yeah. Hey, we're shaping our life to be this way. You know what I mean? So... It's good stuff. That's what it is right now. We're putting in the work like this podcast right here. This is work, but it's also a lot of fun. You know what I mean? And so we're going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing this for a while, but after a couple of years, you know, it's actually going to start providing for me and that will be sweet. Yeah, dude, that's like the dream. It is the dream. I won't have to climb to the top of a 40 foot ladder anymore and get on (laughs) roofs. Yeah. That'll be sweet. Eventually I want a family. You know what I mean? I don't need to be doing all that. Yeah. You stay your feet on the ground, don't you? You're not climbing ladders, man. No, Ain't man. no plumbing on the roof. Yeah, there's plenty of plumbing. I got to run my vent lines out of the roof. <laughs> you know, the, the whole oh, plumbing okay. system there, the drainage system has a matching venting system that has to penetrate the roof. So my position is I run my own business so I could tell the contractor or the homeowner, whoever it is, listen, I'll stub it through the roof from the inside of the house and you call the roofer to come and patch it and put a flashing and yeah. make it look nice. Because I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I went up there the one day, dude, I started slipping. I was like, you know what? I'm like, this is not worth it. It's not worth it. Just have the roofer go up there. That's what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. But for what you guys do, you got to get up there. You got bats crawling around. You got all kinds of stuff going on. Mm-mm-mm. Love me some bats. Yep. That's what I Love say, bro. Love me some bats. When I smell sewage in someone's basement, I walk in and I go, ah, and they go, money. They go, that's what? So funny. Exactly. And I go, that's the smell of money. And the customer starts laughing. That's hilarious. So, okay. So you're getting a North American and you've got a new dog coming online. Yep. And she's doing pretty well. You run a little dachshund? Yes, I run a dachshund. She was bred by Teddy Moritz, and she's a... Queen. Yep, Teddy is is amazing. If you're a new falconer getting into it, she's a lady to look up, and she's a lady, to be honest, to get on one of these podcasts. To, it's just the stories she has are just incredible in her life and how she got into falconry, and you know she pioneered so many different things with these dachshunds getting into falconry, and... They're amazing dogs. So for me, for what I do, you know, everybody has their own opinions, just like birds, just like anything. Everybody has their opinion on what the best dog for falconry is. But that's that's hard to say because it's the best dog for what you're hunting. So I wouldn't want a dachshund yes, when, I'm, when I'm hunting quail in the desert. That's kind of a bad idea. I would want some sort of a setter or some sort of a pointer to get on point. And that, you know what I mean? So for what I do, where the cover is like impenetrable, unless you have a suit on, those little dachshunds can weasel their way underneath the brush or down a hole. And we, you know, speaking of cameras failing, two weeks ago, it was like the last hunt of the year. And I'm not flying my, this hand-me-down bird anymore. I put her up. But we were flying another goss. 
Bro, we put the little dog, not my dog, another, my dog saw it. It was amazing. But the other dog goes down the hole, dude. I don't know if you've ever been recording and you click, you think you're clicking record, but you're actually turning the device off. Dude, I, oh, no. bro, I turned it off. The rabbit shot out of the hole like a cannon right in front of our face and went like four feet in the air and was up in the air like this and then landed on the ground and took off and the bird freaking came in and chased it. It was amazing. And I was like, I got it. And then I look at my phone, my camera and it was off. Ah, oh, what a bummer. Oh, dude, it was terrible. It actually happened twice that day, believe it or not. <laughs> it was oh, dude. bad luck doing this. I mean, I got to wonder how many total incredible flights you haven't got. Oh, dude, so many, dude, so many. It's like, and not to mention all the years that I flew, I never, I, I used to film on my flip phone like for fun, but like, dude, all the crazy flights when I was a kid, like that's why people are like, oh, why are you filming? Like you're making it too public or like you're being selfish. You're trying to make yourself look good. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. I'm filming so that I can look back on hunts. You know what I mean? If I have a crazy flight, it's amazing to look back on it. Dude, I was just trying to bolster my TikTok today. So I'm like, I have, you know, five years of data on my phone. So what I do like right now, it's like open up TikTok, go to uploads. And then I hit that like the top of my screen. So it goes like all the way to the back. Yeah, yeah. And then I scroll from there. And like today, like that video I posted today is of, of... the whole thing was like, brand new bird, gonna lure flight, see how it goes. But it was like, obviously a second year yeah. bird, you know, it's, and <laughs> yeah. everybody knew it was yeah. my second year bird. So That's funny. it was pretty funny. It's a good, it's a good one. You know, nothing schmancy. We're, we're not even hand luring, we're lure polling because they are difficult to hand lure. Yeah. Because their tail's so long, they'll just, they just like fly and yep. then stop. Like I can catch this if I just turn around right now. It's hard to keep up with them. Your shoulder gets burnt out in like five minutes because they keep turning. They turn so quick that you have to reset and then swing again. You just have to like spin in circles. Basically, basically. literally, yeah. They're so good at turning. So to offset that, you you use a lure pole because you have a lot more leverage when it's out there on that pole and you can whip it faster. Anyway, we basically just lure pole uh, Merlin's. Okay. It looks cool. I just like, it's just so much stuff. You don't use that while you're hunting though, right? You don't have that thing with you. Never. Now, some people do, mm-hmm. but I've been told that it's a crutch. And what's the purpose What's the purpose of that during hunting? To get the bird to move over? Oh, to- he did a good flight. Let me give him the lure. <laughs> we're talking now, now for everybody, we're very, very niche speaking here. Right. Because we're talking strictly about like passage merlins and almost always jacks male passage merlins and using up lure pole for that so like this is a, a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream you know we're talking what is that inception something inception inception yes that's right so this is like a niche inside of a niche inside of a niche right. basically but it's a crutch the bird's a passage merlin it knows how to catch let them do it you yeah. know agreed so with you moving to new york I think you and I have talked about this before. Do you have, theoretically, more land now if you were to try another Passage Merlin to fly on? Oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. By far, dude. I mo- so why dude, don't I, you do that? I could. But like I said, I don't want to give up flying a goshawk to fly one Merlin for the whole season. And as I tried last year, I tried to do both. It didn't work out. So I'm now I learned my lesson. Yeah. So now... I need to wait and let the goshawk thing burn out if it ever burns out. And when it burns out, then I'll start flying Merlins again or whatever becomes my obsession. Dude, I live in the middle of farm country. Like my neighbor's an active farm. And then like around the block, I have another farm. The whole area is farms. And then if I drive 15 minutes, I'm in what's called the black dirt. What's that? Dude, it's like a famous long wing hawking ground. It's sod farms as long, as far as the eye can see, literally. And it's like 80 yards in width and like 200 yards in length rectangles. Mm-hmm. And in between each rectangle is a giant ditch. Oh, wow. Dude. So the birds can get down to them fast enough before they hit the next ditch? Well, if they're migratory and you rush them, they ain't putting back in. They're terrified. Oh, really? They're going to take their chances with the falcon? Unless it's a mallard. The mallard ducks have a tendency to put back in. I Listen, I've never yeah. seen it. I've never seen it, but I was brought there by another falconer who's a a super cool guy, Tom Cullen. He breeds Harris Hawks and all this stuff. He's a super cool guy. And he brought me there because he heard I moved to the area. So he goes, hey, listen, there's tons of squirrels on the edges here. He goes, the, the long wing guys like the ducks. So if you don't want to step on any toes, don't be, you know what I mean? But I, I never actually saw anybody fly anything there. And I was trying to invite myself out a bunch of times, but 
I didn't see it, but I could see how perfect it would be if the ducks were in that spot because you could literally mm. just drive down the road and just check, look to your left, check one ditch, took the right, drive a couple more. And if wow. you see them down there, you're just like, okay, they're in the middle of that ditch. Put the bird up over here. The ducks Cast will have it up over here. Walk over. Literally just walk over and they'll just, you know, you can walk right up to the ditch without them seeing you and they'll just flush right in front of your face because we have the salt marsh in, in South Jersey. And mm-hmm. oh, you want to talk about heaven? I've heard about that. You want to talk about heaven, dude? It's like Yubi's told me about those. It's out of control. It's out of control. There's hundreds of ducks, thousands of ducks. You could literally just work the whole marsh, and it was like nobody ever did that before with a goshawk. And I and my buddy John Gilbert, who's NAFA's Northeast director, he's a super cool guy, and he's a hardcore longwing guy, and uh, he's killed hundreds of ducks off of that marsh with his deer peregrine, because he saw me catch a bunch of ducks with my goss, and he's like, dude. I think we can do this. Just come down here and let's try. And I'm like, but it's so open, this and that. She's not used to it. Dude, I went once, had a bunch of slips, almost caught, sun went down, tide came in, we had to leave. Dude, I came back like two weeks later. Dude, these black ducks flushed like 50, 60 yards out ahead of us and went straight up in the air. And she just left the fist like a rocket ship and just pumped and powered through it. And she caught that black duck. Dude, she must've caught it a hundred and something feet up in the air. And then just wow. tumbled to the ground with it, landed in the marsh. First of all, this, oh, is, man. this is God knows how deep. I'm running, I'm falling, I have it all on film, and I'm yelling to John, can I jump in that water? Because you don't know how deep it is. It could be 50 feet deep, or there could be mud over really? your head. Oh, dude, there could be mud over your head. You could jump in and just get submerged in the mud. And I'm like yelling, oh, John, man. and I see her flopping around in the water with it covered in mud. Dude, she was covered in that silty marsh mud. And yeah. I just jumped in, dude. And John's like, yeah, I told you just, I said, yeah, jump in. But he's like, I didn't even know. He's like, I just figured I'd help you get out. Dude, I just jumped in and I went into like my, up to my knees and then hit like sand and then just plowed through it and got her out. And that was not that it's, you know, listen, I'm not one of those guys that likes to be like, oh, I did this and I'm the first that has ever done this. Oh, but it was the first. That but you we, might be the first one. <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was the first guy to catch a duck off of the New Jersey salt marsh with an occipiter. And I mean, guys. Really? That, yes. Nobody had thought about that before? I'm sure they thought about it, but nobody has, not that we know of. And John's been a falconer since the 80s, so he's never heard of anybody doing it. Oh. You know what I mean? And I mean, they do it up in Maine, up in Maine, the... um what are their names up there? The, those main falconers that are Bro, like super famous. Like everybody knows them. I have no idea. The last <laughs> time I lived in Pennsylvania, I was four years old. Oh my God. Well, Scott, Mc, left. Scott McNeff, who you might know, Scott McNeff lives oh, up yeah, there. And he, he slays ducks with his Tearsaw Goshawk off the marshes. Oh, okay. But it's just like, dude, they're migratory. They're super spooky. All you have to do is just peek your head up over the tip of the ditch. And they're like, and they're just gone. Like with panic stricken. If you got a guy that's in shape and that knows it can catch them, dude, they're done. They're toast. Hmm. But I noticed the mallards like to put back in. They try to put back in. They do, yeah. Yeah, man. I love that stuff, man. I've rushed streams full speed with my goss and ran into the water with my boots on and the mallards didn't even, they won't even leave the water. Yep. They just like, they, yep. they get ready to dive. I'm like, what the exactly. heck is this, bro? Am I f- hunting a cormorant or am I hunting a... And you've pulled birds out of the water, haven't you? Like swimming along the bank? 80% of my catches with that last goshawk I had were in the water or above the water that landed in the water. Hmm. Literally. And she got a to- A lot the, of lose are too, right? Oh my gosh, a lot of- Yeah. He just posts like, he posts the most beautiful flights on the face of the earth. And then- Oh, that's incredible. I mean, that guy's flat. Those slips are like, oh my God. I think one of these days, I'm, I'm going to try to make a trip out to him and go on some of those flights with him because they are just beautiful country with the mountains and the ducks are- yeah, I don't know if he wears waders, but his flights, a lot of his flights, like we were talking about migratory, those ducks that he flies, you can see, he doesn't yell. He doesn't scream like I do. He just walks up. He just walks up. And the minute they see you, they're like, God, I'm out. And then because those ducks can fly, the bird, usually by the time the bird catches them, they're out over the, like, the ground. And then she just lands on the ground and just starts plucking them on the ground. Mine, the flights are so, yep. sometimes they're so close or it's on a reflush and she's waiting in the trees above. So she, they're flying on top of the water because they think they might have to bail, dude, she just straight up spears them in the water like an osprey, just like, gadoosh, in the water. You know, I've seen that. <sighs> yeah, when you got a, she had some balls on her, for real, that bird. Oh, man. No fear at all. She would smack the water at full speed and you would just hear like, like a belly flop. You know, see like a kid, a kid at the pool, like belly flop. It was like, pop, like on the water, like just full speed. 
it all depended on the weight. If she was a little bit sharper, oh, uh, dude, she would just, it was almost, I, that's why I couldn't fly her sharp. Because if I flew her sharp, meaning a little bit lower than normal for the audience, she would leave the fist and just smack the water. Like the ducks wouldn't even get off the water. Like if they didn't flush initially, she would be like, oh, there's a duck. I'm going to catch the duck and just try to smash it. And if the water was too deep, then they would they would dive before she could. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of times, so I had to fly her a little bit heavier. Then it was a little bit more annoying because then we'd have to wait and wait and wait. But then eventually she would, like you could tell she just had enough and she would just like, just like an osprey, just like, boom, like right in the water, like right where they stood. And she would just bind to them. And then I had to jump in. I mean, the second season, for whatever reason, I think I had to go to work. I was on my lunch break. So I was in my work uniform and I'm like, I am not jumping in that mud to get this bird right now. And I was like, I think I even said in the video, like one of the videos, I was like, I ain't going in there. So you better figure it out. And I just like started dragging the lure around on the ground and like chucking it in the water and Dude, and then you see her, you see her like head bobbing from the water as she's floating with the duck alive, flopping around underneath her. She's looking at me with this like this greedy look in her eye. Like, what do you have? Give me that. And then she starts paddling towards me. <laughs> and we, I had a whole, I, got, I was lucky I got a couple. That's part of the reason why I film, man, because you could say stuff like that to people. Like, oh, she caught it in the middle of a, a giant pond and then swam it to shore. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Paddling to shore. Cool story guy. But like, I filmed it like multiple times where I would go on the bank and I would start kind of signaling or something. And she was like, she knew the game. She knew what was going on. So she would just swim to shore. You know what I mean? And uh, Lou, Lou told me he, his birds will do that sometimes, where if they catch it in the water, they'll swim it towards him. You know, birds know, man. They know when you're helping them, especially merlins like we were talking about. Yeah. The merlin knows they're safe. I've had them, cha- I've had them fl- a red tail comes in. I've had them fly like straight at me like they're going to run into me because that red tail is chasing them. And they know like I'm safe around this guy especially like a bird that knows the game and has been flying for the whole season or the second season, they're very intelligent. I mean, goshawks are not as intelligent in that aspect, but they do little little things like that where you're like, wow, this thing is actually kind of smart. Like it knows, like she understands that if she gets that duck to shore, she'll get her trade off and then she kind of gets it, you know, which is super yeah. fascinating. You know, have you seen, I think you might've shared it, but that image sequence of a wild Russian oh, goshawk catching a mallard yeah. over the pond and then doing exactly that, caught it in the water, turned around and paddled it to shore and ate it on shore. Peregrines will do that too. They'll flying out to get a duck in big open water and then the duck would go down and the bird would hover and eventually the peregrine outperformed the duck and the duck got tired enough to where it stopped above the water and the peregrine grabbed it and got its foothold on it, you know, was sitting down low but eventually it was female peregrine. It had enough oomph to get in. It wasn't a mallard, you know, to get the duck out of the water and then fly it to shore and eat it. That is incredible. So now that bird learned that. And um, I bet you, if you watch that bird for years and years, it would probably do stuff like that on a regular basis because it had success doing it once. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, dude, seafaring peregrines do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's all, you know, all the peregrines that live along the coast the peels especially, you know, they don't just hunt the coastline. The peels live and breed where there isn't really beaches. It's cliffy coastline, you know? And so they they will hunt out at sea eating seabirds and then turn their butts around and haul them all the way back to the coast to eat them. Yeah, and those are big subspecies too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they've got uh, better weatherproofing, waterproofing basically, than um, a lot of the other subspecies because they're so seafaring ah. that you can fly them like in like consistent rain and it's not a big deal to him. Not crazy. Yeah, dude, those things are amazing, man. If, if anyone who's listening gets a chance, if you can feel like, let's say you feel an owl's feather, you feel a red tail's feather and then feel like a peregrine falcon primary, dude, that thing mm-hmm. is like made of plastic. It's like stiff it's as super, super stiff. stiff. And you can just tell this thing is designed to go ridiculously fast and smash into yep. things. It's amazing, dude. It's so cool, man. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's so many aspects of falconry. So many. Just- I can't wait to fly one again. You know, I had an opportunity a few years ago and then uh, got killed by my roommate's goshawk. Oh, no. Super cool. Well, goshawks are Yeah, may or may so. not play a factor into my hatred for goshawks. Well, listen, man. They are designed to kill everything. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly are. At all times. Peregrine got killed. I was so close to free flying it too. I mean, to hunting it, excuse me. It was going up to the to the drone, 900 feet. Yeah. I was very close to starting to serve it off of the drone. Oh, so that's close, another, man. That's another thing that holds me back from long wings, dude. 
is the whole like, you got to get a kite, you got to get a drone, you got to get balloons, you got to do this. And I'm like, bro, who got, you don't have to do got all time that. for all that. You don't have to do that with a Merlin. Dude, so I taught my passage jack to wait on without a drone. Yeah, I know you did. And that thing, that thing was, dude, he's a little machine, dude, that bird. That bird is a machine. You need to get your little videographer guy to follow you around because just a couple videos that you post, and you know this, I've been hounding you to post more of that. But that, uh, that bird, bro, it's he just, just like so hovers. hard to not watch, man. It's hard to pull my own eyes away to focus on a camera. Believe me, I because know. Because it's so cool. But that's why I got the GoPro, in fact, because I don't have to look. I just, as long as it's on, I'm in it. I'm doing, I'm having fun, and nothing changes other than the things on my head recording. Yeah, for you. I have to try and film my bird 300 feet in the air, not looking at the awesome stoop and just have to find him in the viewfinder. Yeah, you know? it's hard. That's difficult. I'll get around to it. Don't worry. Yeah. I, I will. Or I'll have an, another guy do it because I'll be too busy with my jaw on the floor watching the flight. Oh, yeah. No, they're they're spectacular. It's nothing like it, man. They're so fast. It's like watching, like you ever see like a dragonfly, like it flying around and whipping around. It's so fast, but you realize it's a bird mm-hmm. and it's not a bug. It's a bird and they're so fast. And they can turn on a dime and move. I had a feeling like that when I saw a, a Sharpie chase for the first time. And I was at a, a buddy of mine. Dude, Sharpies are bananas. I would fly a Sharpie again and I probably will. I never flew one. I want to. I, that's another oh, dream bird of mine. I will probably fly another Sharpie. If I can find somebody who can fly it in September when I'm elk hunting, basically. Well, you could reverse molt it. Hunt it all spring and summer. Kill starlings. Well, the first year. Yeah, good point. The first year is the key because, you know, you get them in like June, just like with Merlin, same thing. They hatch out in June because they develop so quickly. You know, they, they are able to lay later. Whereas like the owls and the hawks, you know, most hawks are on eggs right now. Um, owls are fledging. Have you seen those? Oh my gosh. I found five nests in the last, in the la- literally I found five nests in the last three days. Dead serious. Of what? Owls? Owls. Just because I never noticed. Yeah, I know. I never noticed that they were there. But now, like you said, they're fledging. So the females in the nest kind of standing upwards. So you can see, you can see that big head and the horns and you're like, and you can see the big baby. So it's like, it catches your eye while you're driving. And I got a, I got a friend of mine, Ray Gilbertson. I mean, he's a phenomenal photographer. So I just text him. I just text him GPS locations of all of them. They have such big hard-ons for owls, man. Yeah, I know. Every photographer just bro, so they're get they're, rocks a spiritual, off they're a spiritual animal, bro. So stupid. <laughs> if they realized just how dumb owls are, it would blow their mind. Hey, yeah, news news flash for everybody listening. Owls are dumb as rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't me, you know, having an opinion on them. No, owls are dumb. You can equate this with other animals. When an animal is so specialized, it doesn't have to think through situations. And so they lose or maybe rather don't gain the ability to think critically. You know? Right. Like if, if anybody listening has ever dealt with sight hounds, let's say. Not the brightest dogs on the planet. They're really, really fast. I go fast. I go real fast. <laughs> they're not intelligent. Like they're not thinkers. Like, People will literally breed border collie into sighthounds to have offspring that are fast, but can actually think through situations. Owls are so good at what they do. They're so quiet and their feet are so strong and their eyes are so good. They don't need to think about anything. They just act and react. Because of that, they're dumb as rocks. And so the, the people's whole thing is like, oh, stoic as an owl. Yeah, that's because there's nothing going on in their brain. <laughs> Listen, I talk to guys that have them and that hunt with them. You know, they swear that they're they swear that there's a level of intelligence there that just it just takes a while to get it out of them. So, so, <laughs> dude, I don't know. I'm just saying, dude. What's the? There's a guy on Instagram, Shannon. Shannon, I forgot his Instagram is his Instagram name, but his son, they fly a great horned owl like during dusk and he catches rabbits all the time with that thing. And he posts some pretty, pretty good flights. In cemeteries? No, out in the open. They get them in like tubes and pipes and they've, they flush, uh, pipe bunnies. Yeah. But dude, Casey, bro, listen, I'll catch rabbits wherever I can, bro. I go where the game is at. So I respect them. I mean, yeah. And pipe bunnies are fun for like a meet when everybody's around, but that's not, yeah, and they're like good for first baggies. Bro, any game that is 
ethically taken is is good game, bro. And they're hawk, so they're hawking in like farm country. And these are those, you know, those big giant water uh, machines that have like the tripod legs, and then the pipe is suspended above the ground, and then they have like a a giant head on the end that that waters the whole field. Pivots, yeah, they're called pivots. I don't, yes, yeah, you know, I don't know, but so they, the rabbits, like congregate there and hide in those little tubes. So basically, they have like tape measures and they're sliding the tape measures in there, and the rabbits are shooting out left, right, and center. And their Harris hawks are chasing. Them. They'll catch a couple with the Harris, then they'll put the Harris away, and then they'll take the, uh, they'll take the owl out. And he's actually got some pretty good flights. Him and the other kid, what's that kid's name? The kid uh, in down south. He caught a, he he had a video, the first video that I think that I've ever seen of an owl grabbing a squirrel off the side of a tree and coming to the ground with it. I did say, I did see that. I do got to give props where props are due. Anything catching squirrels is pretty impressive. Squirrels are not easy. No. And uh, an owl catching a squirrel, that's that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, it was pretty cool. He caught a, quite a few, actually. Really? What's quite a few? Over 20? I'm saying quite a few as in the last, I think he- For an owl. For, yeah, like five <laughs> or six, I think. So five? Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know how Come many. On. I don't know the exact number. I just know that he posted like maybe four or five times with his bird on on one, and then one video of one. And I was like, "Oh, dude!" I'm like, "So he's actually, you know, he's actually pulling I can it kind off." Kind of get it. Like maybe they excel their second year, you know. So like first year jeers and jeer hybrids, you know, you don't focus on the first year play the long game. You know, you kind of just shape behavior because they're so young. They take so long to mature. And maybe because owls are so long lived that they take a long time to mature as well. So maybe it's kind of the same thing where you're focused on the... But I've never heard of anybody flying a second year Great Horn Owl. So. Me neither. Nobody does. But who, I mean, there was that lady who caught that. That was a badass video. She Or it was a, it was a video and like... A, I mean, it was a possum, which is not the most worthy quarry. But she she had that she had like the nightlight on in the snowstorm, and then this thing like nailed the possum, and there was like blood all over the snow, oh, and like geez. I'm like, dude, that was freaking sweet. She says she catches skunks, and my buddy has an owl, a, a Eurasian eagle owl, and he says I've never seen it, but he says that he would catch that that thing would catch cats like on a regular basis, like he'd go to like the fields. That's actually kind of hilarious. Oh, and a cat would just be out in the middle of the field. The cat would just be in the field doing its thing, just destroying wildlife, you know, with the, you know, the normal yep. cat behaviors. And that thing, would he said it would just purposely target cats and just crush their skull with those feet and just destroy them. Now, for th- that sounds like fun. From the fist, he said. And he said it would just, like, he would just walk around at night. Like, was it a male? It was a male Eurasian eagle. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They got some moves on him. I've flown, not flown, I've worked with and trained. A male eagle owl before, and they're. I tried fun. to have one at my wedding, a male eagle owl, and it uh, <laughs> was a freaking disaster. It was the it fun. Was? No, we didn't do it. Thank God, because we did the dress. Oh, that's a bummer. We did the, we did the dress rehearsal, and my wife was all nervous. She's like, "This thing's not gonna work." My buddy comes down. I'm not gonna say his name because he doesn't. You know, he is a phenomenal showman. All his birds are monsters. They all perform, no matter how many people are around. Do we go in this church, bro? We go in this church and. I stand on the stage and I did, you know, plenty of drills with it, like, you know, a couple of days before. I just stand on the stage, bro. The bird just like leaves his fist and makes a 90 degree t- turn into the wall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. I'm just like, and it's like flopping around on the ground and all my friends are there and they're like, no. bro, they're like, what's up with this owl, bro? And I'm like, dude. It just flew into the wall. It just flew into the wall and then it was like hanging from the drapes and then he got it back. We what what we think it was, because Brian was just like, Oh, the birds are, you know, going off on the bird. But in my mind, I'm like, dude, it was like an old chapel that was like really loud and echoey. And I don't know, when people talking, it was like shocking the thing's ears. You know what I mean? Because their earring is their hearing is so intense that maybe it was throwing it off and it was spazzing it out and it just didn't like the situation. So needless to say. We scrapped the idea of the the eagle owl bringing the uh, bringing the ring down the aisle, but I was so nervous, bro. I almost bummer. passed out anyway, so I couldn't imagine doing anything else but just saying my vows on stage rather than dealing with an owl and flying into a window. <laughs> Fly- an owl that flies into a window kills itself. Everybody's crying. Just a pro tip: when you're having a wedding, don't add any more stress than than you need to. Really, I will. A one hundred percent have a bird be uh, flying my rings down. I should have a hundred percent. There's, there's no way I can't not have no, that. You have to have you know like a Harris mean? or something, something that's very. It's definitely a Harris hawk. Yeah, yeah. something yeah. that's bulletproof, something lame. You know, 
Just kidding. Something bulletproof that's not going to get scared and fly into a window and kill itself, you know, when you're out hunting. And even though it was really cool and really fast and expensive. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, no shade thrown. You know what I mean? Yeah, well. Oh, goodness. I'm excited for you to, uh, to get a new bird. Are you going to hack it? Of course. I think, bro, the first gods I okay, flew, awesome. I did good, not good, I did good. not hack it because I was scared that it was going to die. So I didn't hack it, and I think that that hindered us tremendously, to be honest. Sec- second bird I hacked, and everyone's like, you're crazy, that white bird, you're going to hack it? I mean, dude, I'm like, bro, what's the point of having a Ferrari if you're not going to friggin' speed in it? You know what I mean? Take it out, baby. You got to drive that sucker. Oh, dude, I threw that sucker in a tree. I went to work. I came back. I, dude, I would just, basically the whole summer, I would just, take it to a park and just cut it loose and just go to Starbucks and get coffee. And then just like, dude, the GPS makes life so easy, dude. Yeah. So for people who don't know, we have, uh, there's this company, this telemetry company that came out with basically a GPS that works off of your phone, just like any other app. So you can see exactly where the wearer of your antenna, you know, the little GPS tracker is at all times. And you can even change like how often it pings for you know, high-performance flights to see exactly how fast your bird is going to um, low-performance, like one ping every five seconds if you're just keeping an eye on your bird. Or if you're, your bird gets stuck out overnight, you can turn it off and then turn it back on in the morning to preserve your battery life. And I mean, it literally takes 50% of the stress out of flying a bird. I know at least for long wings, when they go out of sight, I don't have one because now I fly a Jack Merlin and they're too damn big. So I I literally don't have one. They say they're coming out with some new technology, supposedly. Well, how long have they been saying that? Because man, <laughs> when I first heard they were saying that, it was like it was like four years ago, man. And if uh, and if they want to sponsor this podcast, they better hit you up. If they, yeah, want to be the official telemetry, <laughs> the official telemetry company of the Wildlife Command Center podcast, we would be super stoked to have them as a sponsor. That would be sick. Love you guys. Marshall, you're all I use, literally. Yeah, me too. Literally. Me too. Literally. Like if you, and if you guys came out with a, uh, a, a mini GPS, I would 100% trial it for you. So next year, I'm probably, you know, I'm going to figure out what to do with Daniel. Well, actually, Screw it. Dropping the bomb. Daniel escaped. No way. Yes, he did. You want to edit that out and say that he got eaten you know, by a wild rat? Okay. Nope. I'm being straight. <laughs> oh, I'm being straight God. forward with people, man. I had my chamber set up, chain link with claw, uh, shade cloth all around it on the inside for the walls and on the top for the ceiling because I'm not in a super not secure, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not in a super permanent area right now, like a super permanent housing. So I don't want to build like a nice chamber, you know, that I can't take with me. I know I'm not going to live here. I'm renting. So I thought, you know, put the shade cloth on the inside for the walls. So when he lands on the walls, he doesn't like jack up his feathers and he's not really going to mess with the ceiling too much. And I chilled with him. He flew up and grabbed the ceiling a few times, but he would just bounce off and then go land. Sat with him for about 30 minutes after everything was finished. Like, okay, cool. So I left. He was still kind of chilling, you know, just, you know, uh, nervous, but because he's in a new area. I went, grabbed his food for the day, came back out. He wigs out because he's fat. I stopped flying him. He's fat at this point. Flies up, hits the ceiling, grabs the chain link, pulls himself through the chain link, up into the shade cloth, kind of crawl walks the length of the chamber to the edge falls down the edge of the wall, falls to the edge of where the shade cloth is laying. I run out to grab him, and as I'm going to reach him to grab him, he hits the bottom of the shade cloth and flies off. This story is giving me uh, anxiety. Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Did you try swinging a lure? Throwing, I'm sure you did everything that you've... Not e- Casey? Zero, right? Didn't even try. Oh, he gone. was so fat and wild at that point. The good thing is I weighed him right before. He was over trap weight. Oh, good. Rightfully so. He, and he had food that morning. So of all of the things that could have gone wrong and of, of the scenarios that could have been bad for him, as well as um, because last year his anklets grew too tight. Right. And, you know, and 
uh, tight on his legs. This year, you know, this last season be, to combat that, oh, because he bathes a lot. He like, he gets in his bath pan above average for like a Merlin. He loves So that's his bath a lot. Pan. That's a tremendous I made him amount. super wide. Oh, good. So like there's, and they've already sh- shrank to the point that they would get to. I got them so wide. So like, um, even if he is gone, he's got anklets. He doesn't have any other equipment on. They won't shrink up and, and screw up his legs. He had food that morning and he was fat as crap. Yeah, he's fine. So he's fine. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. He was, you know, prolific catcher. So it's an extreme, extreme bummer, but uh, we had a great two seasons, dude. You know? Yeah, you did. So for sure. Well, listen, man, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, honesty to share that publicly. And I know, and a lot of Falconers, they don't want to share that stuff. They only want to share the super you know, entertaining and flashy stuff and they don't want to enter show when the bird foots their face or whatever the case may be. And that's what I, <laughs> listen, man, that's what I try to do on my page, man. I try to be a little honest, man, and show some stuff and maybe sometimes I shouldn't, but, you know, people, especially for me, the reason I made my Instagram was so that people could, not to brag about my, my falconry, but more to just like have all of my videos and pictures in a categorized... Showcase, uh, yeah. Showcase and for people to see how things are supposed to be done. Not saying that I'm the the pinnacle, but I think I do a pretty decent job of dealing with my birds and trying to main, maintain their 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 health and their care and, you know, dealing with them in the field. And I mean, dude, you mentioned TikTok before, but bro, TikTok, bro. It's a cesspool. Oh my it's God, certainly it's a cesspool. cesspool, bro. I see guys on there. I'm not going to say any names, but the guy is like, he's like video, dude, the video has like 2 million views of his trade-off for his red tail. Bro, it was like it was like watching somebody get their teeth pulled. It was terrible. And I I dude, I stopped myself. You have more, you're a little bit better at that than me. Me, I don't like to argue with people really. And I literally wrote it out and I didn't send it because I, I felt like it was just not gonna help anything. Ha. It's called that's called keeping it in your drafts, baby. Yeah. You gotta keep it in the drafts. I was like, dude, like listen, man, you got forty, you got forty something thousand followers on, on TikTok, bro, and you're showing this train wreck of a trade-off. Like, like, get you like. Listen, I understand you're showing your journey, but like, it, it looks like you're just robbing the bird of the squirrel. Like, like, maybe slow down a little bit. Oh, does he? Does he just like pull it? Dude, out he's of the like bird's trying talons. to cover it with the freaking with the freaking rag, you know, with the towel thing, and then it's like oh, that's a it's like bound to his arm, and then it like jumps on his sleeve, oh, and then it's like hanging shit. from the glove, and it's like, and it, I'm just like, I'm like, my man, like, please, you have to just. When you're new at something, I understand you're excited about it and you want to share about it with everybody, but you need to kind of understand that people that don't know anything about what you're doing, you're making a bad representation of what it is. Now it just looks like you're robbing the bird. Yeah. And uh, Wilderness Wonders, my my boy in Utah, he does a really good job. He's a newer falconer, man. He had something like 800 and something thousand followers and then TikTok, you know, because birds, eat, birds eating meat is violence. They banned his whole account, you know, because, I mean, I got, dude, I had so many videos taken down. My bird's literally eating meat, just on my glove, eating meat. And they flagged it for violence and uh, disturbing images. I'm like, bro, like you got 12-year-olds twerking on here and I can't have my bird eating. So listen, just, you know, I'm just saying. So for me, my thing is I want to post quality falconry. I want to share the ups. I want to share the downs. Obviously, my bird getting killed. I didn't post the picture of my bird getting killed nah, with a video the video that. that led up to it. Dude, I can't even look at it because I start, you know, getting upset. But like, you know, I made it very clear that my bird did die and, you know, that was her last catch and, you know, and she'll, you know, her memory will live on and stuff like that. But like stuff, Valkyrie, dude, stuff happens, man. And when you're flying enough and you got enough going on and you're, you're in the game long enough, bad things are going to happen to you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Everybody loses a bird or a bird gets killed. To say that you don't have that happen to you, that's not something to brag about because that just tells me that you, number one, are probably not flying or your bird is just sitting in, sitting in a mew not doing anything. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Yep. You haven't rolled those dice enough times and uh, it, man. gotten a bad, you know, bad hand. deck of cards. A bad hand. Yeah, bad deck of cards. <laughs> no, a, a bad. You haven't rolled those dice yeah. and, you know, got slapped <laughs> in the face by life. Yeah. You haven't experienced enough. You, you're missing out, you know. But hey, we've been on here for a good while, so let's go ahead and wrap this sucker up. So okay. on Instagram, you are NJ underscore Falconry. Are you that on TikTok too? I am that on TikTok as well, yes. All right, awesome. 
Cool. Well, hey, I appreciate you jumping on. I mean, that was just smooth like butter. Yeah, man. Obviously, you and I can conversate pretty well, pretty easily. And uh, and I mean, of course, when we're talking about falconry, that just comes naturally. Oh, bro, I could talk about falconry all day, bro. And we didn't even all day. We didn't like, even there go was, into it. There was the there was no conversational lull. You know what I mean? Nah. This is me cutting it off. So <laughs> so that, so this podcast doesn't you know uh, edge on for hours and hours. And uh, okay, here's here's my um. Here's my dilemma. Do I take pre-workout at 5.36 p.m. to go lift right now? Yes, but then you'll have to take a melatonin. You'll have to take a melatonin to go back to sleep. I don't have any melatonin. Yeah, if, if you don't have melatonin, bro, you ain't living life right, bro. You got to have melatonin because you have, to, you have to take a pre-workout after work to go lift, but then you're not going to sleep, so you have to take a downer afterwards. Holy smokes. <laughs> oh, my word. All right. You know what? Yeah, screw it. I'll... Literally, I'm going to get off of this mic and pound my pre-workout. This new stuff I got from Gorilla Mind um, takes a while to kick in. It's their pre. It's their pre-workout. But I'm ready to go. Hey, thanks for jumping on with me, man. I really appreciate it. You got it, bro. Everybody, go follow him. His videos are amazing. He's got great footage. NJ underscore Falconry on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. You guys have a great one. We're out of here. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, a.k.a. Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus. Download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.